Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Thomas Kim. He's the CEO of a company called Epivario. You'll find out more about what his company is about during the show. Stay tuned, though. Listeners, you know my shows cover just about everything to do with mental health. Well, actually, everything to do with mental health. It's rare to get to interview someone in the pharmaceutical industry at the early stages of drug trials. I found this discussion and what they are working towards fascinating. I did not steer clear of hard questions, and Mr. Kim answered them directly and with transparency. I actually really enjoyed this interview, and I hope you will too. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years, and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this, intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hi, everyone. You just heard about Thomas Kim. He is the CEO of Epivario. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, anytime we hear especially in my industry, uh, new medication, you know, coming out, we, we all that have, you know, many of us that have struggled with treatment resistant depression and things like that, we, we kind of take a step back and go, okay, well, let's see what, what, what this is about and what it's going to do before we kind of support anything. Cause we're in the trenches. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, what, uh, your company does and what you're bringing to the market and what specifically it treats also. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, at Bavario, we, we discovered uh, our co-founders, uh, Philip Muse and, and Shelly Berger at the University of Pennsylvania. They discovered a new pathway in, in the brain that appears to be highly upregulated during periods of laying down intense uh, memories. Um, and this would include a traumatic memory and then the follow-on episodes of recurrence and reconsolidations, the nightmares, if you want to call them, uh, that PTSD mm -hmm. patients suffer. And um, the drug really is a mechanism to inhibit that pathway during the times where you lay down these, um, these intense memories. So we um, we believe that by delivering this drug during the time periods where you experience um, the nightmares, uh, we can inhibit the reconsolidation 
and then lay a good path towards um, the, the current standard of care psychotherapy that can um, that can help uh, PTSD patients with their um, with the with the ailment. So, in layman's terms, what you're saying is someone that is in active PTSD or even before a trauma is when they would start taking something like this? I think the first step is to identify patients and to uh, offer them this, this drug uh, to be a part of an augmented psychotherapy. So the drug would help reduce the, uh, the intensity of, of the fear response you have to the original traumatic event. And mm, then okay. it will lay a good, good groundwork to um, overlay the uh, current psychotherapy treatments that, um, that exist. Okay, so it's an adjunct piece yep. to an already, already um, set schedule of different tools being used and that could include psychotherapy. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how, you know, what it is that you found. Um, A lot of people are going to think the um, Amazon show Homecoming and think, oh, it's going to erase memories. And, you know, that, of course, was a TV show. But I'm sure you've heard correlations (laughs) about that with that show, about what what you've got with this show. So um, what are what do you say about, you know, how this works and does it? erase memories or, you know, just what's the, what's the delivery of it and how is it working on people's, um, you know, trauma related memory? Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. And that's, uh, that's an important clarification understanding that we want to, um, uh, we want to promulgate is, um, what we're trying to do is not manipulate, uh, existing memories, existing, um, Static memory states. What we are doing is inhibiting a genetic gene expression process that helps uh, synaptic formation that ultimately ends up uh, laying down memory. So we're we, what we're trying to do is inhibit a a process, and this process that we're talking about is exacerbating the the real fear response, a physiological response, the reaction you have to the recalling of the traumatic event. In a way, what it sounds like is this could help people get to dealing with what happened to them um, more quickly, more effectively in order to get to a place of healing, whereas that fear yeah, response right. is an inhibitor of, of, of getting to that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, what we want to solve is the high rates of dropouts um, mm. for patients who go through these, uh, these psychotherapy regimens. And then what we're also hoping for is a reduced number of, um, of relapse for patients and, and the premise is, if you start treating the root cause and start eliminating the uh, the level of stress response to the original traumatic memory, then overlaying what you would call good memories or the um, uh, the treatments that you get through the cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. um, we hope will will stick, and that'll be the overriding. Um, response you'll have to the recall of the original event. 
So is it something like um, EMDR, but in med medicine format? Um, say that again, EMDR? Well, EMDR is, is, you know, something that is also supposed to help you uh, reduce the negative memory formation or to help you sort of rewire it, reframe it. So it, the way that you're describing this sounds to me like what EMDR tries to to do with people struggling with PTSD and has been successful at it, the difference is that this is in um, medication uh, form instead of a you know equipment and a technique. Oh sure, sure. Yeah, I I, I think what um, again to to provide a little a little more clarity around what the drug would be doing, it it's not imputing any. Um, any manipulation of memory, what, what, it, what it's doing is um, as you experience, if you think about it, as you experience, um, everybody has nightmares, as you experience a nightmare, mm -hmm. and obviously this exacerbates in a, in a PTSD patient and um, it causes an uncontrollable uh, negative intrusive mem memory fear response to the original traumatic event. What, what we're trying to do is eliminate that intensity by preventing the the constant reconsolidation um, as as the uh, clinical terminology goes um, of that traumatic event. So you're you're constantly building these memories of your your fear physiological response to the traumatic event. And what we'd like to do is you know break that chain of reconsolidation alleviate the intensity and then um, the hope is then when you recall the traumatic event you won't have that uncontrollable fear response mm, then, so it's not um, an erasure of yeah. the event like no. eternal sunshine of spotless mind it's or <laughs> no, homecoming. Like that. <laughs> it's just okay so it's it is definitely an adjunct therapy so um I know that, you know, there's press releases out around the seed funding that you've received and, um, you know, it takes a lot of seed funding to get something like this off the ground. So how far would you say are you in the process of bringing this to market? Yeah, uh, we, we're, we're in the early stages, as uh, most know, in the drug development uh, life cycle uh, from discovery to commercial you know, market approval and commercialization it's approximately 10 years i would say we're we're kind of in that second year stage uh, okay we've identified uh, lead compounds uh, we're testing on animal models to show um, this inhibition of um, of short-term learning uh, short-term uh, memory of, of of an experience and uh, we're working on uh, there are existing um, uh, PTSD models, um, uh, behavioral studies you can do with uh, small animals, and we're in the process of going through that. And that was what the seed funding helped uh, allow us to, uh, to facilitate. Right, right, exactly. So, why is this something that's important to you, being in in you know this industry that is mental health and you know, being the CEO of a company that's um, that's doing what it does. I think myself, like like many who are in um, in this business, um, you could you could run a lot of companies. Um, you could 
commercialize a lot of products, but to know that there's a reality that it can help you, your family, your neighbor. I think it's very, it's very compelling. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to lie running and, um, and starting a company is, it can be pretty daunting, but I think uh, yeah, having, totally a, understand that. <laughs> <laughs> having a, uh, having a, a floor underneath you where you're, you're, you're doing this good is, um, helps helps the motivation that's for sure mm -hmm. and, and i you know i can tell you that i've experienced family members um you know that have been in the military um they're not diagnosed ptsd but um you know i think it touches them all um we've all mm -hmm. experienced uh, you know especially with uh just going through the uh, the rigors of um, raising yeah. a family, yeah, life. Um, that no you know, one on the planet has had no trauma. That's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> stress and is... anxiety and mm -hmm. that kind of. So it, it, it's um, it does hit close to home. I think for for most of us. Absolutely. So in terms of um, you know being in in this field that does have uh, some stigma mental health does, uh, the sure. mental illness certainly does somehow. And I'm sorry, listeners, I'm saying this, you know, and I, I, I'm going to keep saying it somehow this sector of healthcare, mental illness and mental health got lumped together as the same words and they're not, they're two separate things, mm -hmm. but so it's already an industry that has, um, stigma around it. And then so do pharmaceutical companies. Sure. How do you kind of navigate, that um which can be a treacherous walk when you really you know are trying to do something that helps people but there's such a negative connotation towards not only the industry that you're trying to help but also the fact that you are a pharmaceutical company yeah i think i think the way to navigate that is uh, i think one societal norms are are changing i, I mm -hmm. think the conversation around mental health is um it's more prominent is more accepted today um, without naming names, I, I, I think people going to psychologists and psychiatrists to talk about um, various mental health issues, it doesn't quite have the stigma as it, as it has before. Um, I think these problems being left in the shadows has, um, has sort of, um, you know, resulted in, in problems that we've seen in, in society with uh, mass shootings and things like that with right. uh, folks that have gone untreated over years and years. And I, I think part of it too is, um, you know, the, the scientific norms and looking for uh, proof of biomarkers and biomarkers uh, being correlative to the disease. And I, I think we got to a point where we know this is really a health problem. And even though you can't identify a biomarker that is correlative to the disease. I mean, we, we know there's a problem and we know um, clinical observed benefits. Um, I, I think people can't deny that those are real right. you know, health benefits. Right. We're never going to be a mental health outfit that says better living through pharmacology if that's your choice is a bad thing. We I take antidepressants. We're big proponents of how whatever works for you works for you. <laughs> sure. Sure. But yeah. Talk a, yeah, talk a little bit about where this um, fits in with 
Alzheimer's and then let's talk about alcohol and drug addiction, but let's start with Alzheimer's because that's, I, I just read an article today and I should have, uh, um, you know, brushed up on it before I got on this particular interview. But, you know, there's a big article out there saying, oh, we might have found a cure or a vaccine. So do, have you sure. read that article? And um, and how is Epivario set up to help in that regard? Yeah. So for that for us is a sort of flipping of the switch. Um, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's very nascent for us right now, but what we what we believe is if we uh, find the right agonist for for our target, um, it, it's not the source of the disease for let's say Alzheimer's or dementia, but what we feel like it, we can um, we can enhance this pathway by enhancing the pathway, we feel like. Um, behavioral benefits that that folks have gone through to help to help with the decay of memory that goes mm. along with Alzheimer's, we feel mm. like we can enhance enhance that process and stave off um, the rapid demise that that comes along with Alzheimer's. So that would be the the premise going into um, finding. It, we'd have to go through a, a discovery stage to right find the right agonist, but in, in that development process, it would be enhancing the, the learning um, uh, regimens that you go through to, to help with the memory decay. Okay, with the short-term and long-term memory loss. Yeah. We know, we know alcohol and drug addiction is completely different since you're introducing a substance which is changing your body chemistry, including your brain functioning. So where does this fit in with you using this kind of treatment or this medication and it's mm-hmm. combating other substances that have caused the Yeah. The so, so, so this, um, you, you can pull elements of what we discussed with PTSD into mm-hmm. this, um, these different addiction um, diseases, if you want to call it. Um, it's this uncontrollable um, associative memory. So if you think of the fear response you have with a traumatic event, you can also think about a a proxy for um, illicit substance or or alcohol and and triggering that craving that you can't control. Um, so, So what we're trying to do is through this process, as you get the trigger, you recall the, the memory, the craving, or the or the fear response and PTSD. What we're trying to do is reduce that um, that associative memory. So the the reason to reach for the substance of choice to um, lessen the pain would be reduced. That's what you're wanting. To, that's what you're. Yeah. Um, so you're so if you if you're um, if you have a, you know, opioid addiction, whatever the proxy is um, that recalls the, the craving to that to that drug, in that moment of time, just like what we talked about with PTSD, if you take the drug, um, the goal would be to reduce that craving to the point where now, if you go through therapy or you know you try to use common sense and you know this is destroying your life you shouldn't take it we want 
the ability to reduce that uncontrollable urge that associated memory so that you can talk yourself out of it or, or go through therapy and realize that there's a better choice. Um, mm. And, and okay. we think by reducing that, that uncontrollable response, um, you can work your way towards um, a more effective treatment. Yeah. Or alleviating addiction period. Right. Well, tell us um, a little bit as we close um, about the organization, how it was formed, um, what it's a part of, the foundation sure. for it. Sure. The um, co-founder, Shelley Berger, uh, is a professor at University of Pennsylvania at the medical school. She's also heads up the um, epigenetics, Department of Epigenetics, or the Epigenetics Institute. Uh, I think that's the correct term. Um, and her and her grad student, Philip Muse, discovered this pathway in the nucleus of the brain and published in Nature back in June of 2017. Um, and with that, uh, a lot of momentum, a lot of um, energy in terms of uh, identifying a, um, um, a molecule that could uh, potentially lead to a product um, as, as we discussed in, in the show, they, through a Penn Center of Innovation, they formed a company back in September of 2000, um, 2017. And I started meeting them around January of 2018, started to put together a, a corporate strategy, a drug development strategy, and um, and officially joined the company in March, and um, just everything started moving forward, and we launched our, our Steve Brown and fundraising um, in the fall, and we closed that back in December, early December, uh, where we raised about half a million dollars to, um, to, to jumpstart some of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really, to jumpstart some of this preclinical development work. It's a daunting task when you look at a timeline of, you know, 10 years. You have to really, you have to really believe in what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is great. And it's great working with good people, um, being yeah. under the, um, the auspices of, of University of Penn and a lot of, um, uh, great work that is coming out of Penn and, um, you know, biologics, um, getting approved, um, Carl June and some of his work at, at Penn. So there's a lot of great energy around the area. I think that yeah. also helps too. To keep everybody excited about the journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to see somebody else do it and emulate that. I think that, that that goes a long way. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, my, my last question for you is this. Um, you know, a lot of... It, organizations like yours are really nervous about talking about what you do, especially in early stages, uh, because of the way social media is, um, the way that things can get misconstrued um, out in the land of the internet. So why, you know, the decision to come on a show like mine as an example, and I'm sure you're going on other shows um, at such an early stage? Yeah, I think... You know, anybody who has researched, uh, really deeply researched the uh, PTSD market knows um, 
there's a there's a huge unmet need. Mm-hmm. There's no drugs approved for PTSD except for um, you know two antidepressants, and you know we really look at that as alleviating some symptoms to you know help right. you help you survive, to help you get by. But we really feel strongly that there's really not anything out there to um, treat the root cause. And we believe this pathway and, and the drug that we are developing can, can provide that solution. And with that, with that huge unmet need and, and a lot of real um, touching stories about um, you know, veterans coming back and not being able to re-assimilate into um, right. civilian life. I, I think all those are just too compelling not to not to get the story out. Right, and it's 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 a good strategy, even though that term strategy has kind of a negative connotation. But it is good because being transparent, um, you know, as a pharmaceutical company, is a bold decision. It's risky, but mental health and mental illness are, is all about healing through your, your vulnerabilities and your transparency. So I think it's um, I think it's a really good, brave strategy, actually, just my personal opinion. Thank you. Well, tell our listeners where they can find out more about your organization. You can go onto our website. It's uh, com. E-P-I. V as in violet, A-R-I-O.com. Fantastic. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, good luck. We'll be, we'll be excited to see the progress. Okay. Thanks, Christian. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another mental health news radio show. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be 
surprised when I don't hate on you After all we promised we'd be cordial Sometimes in you I can fight it Good boy